It's time to get all set for Sunday, a podcast for busy and distracted Catholics with your hosts, Scott Williams and Jeff Trailer. When I hear the coffee brewing, I think, what the heck we doing? Because I got barely any sleep last night. As the diaper bag I pack with hot wheels, dollies, and some snacks, I say, oh, pray there'll be a seat in the cry room this time. It's all right, because I'm all set for Sunday. Matthew, Mark, or Luke, or John, no idea what's going on. I can't pay attention at any good rate. Looks from parishioners, old ladies, and ushers. I guess I'll throw some extra bucks in the collection plate. It's all right, because I'm all set for Sunday. It's all right, because I'm all set for. It's all right, because I'm all set for. It's all right, because I'm all set for Sunday. Welcome to All Set for Sunday, a podcast for busy and distracted Catholics to be a little more prepared for your Sunday Mass. My name's Scott Williams. Co-host is Jeff Trailer. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Scott. How the heck are you doing, buddy? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm making it. I, I worked out for the first time in three months today. Uh, Father, Father Mike Kucher is joining us today. Father Mike, do you, do you work out? Um, I, I do attempt to. I am a little behind on my workout schedule my my workout is usually running and it's been um a few well i'll be honest it's been a few months since i've done it yeah so no um i think we're we're but if i'm not mistaken father mike you just recently did like a half marathon right down at disney i I did not do the full half i did the we had the race for vocations which has a half marathon option but also a 5k option and i had uh planned to do the half marathon but I saw the number of people. We had this about the same start time, and I saw, except the 5K started five minutes before the half marathon, and I saw that there were about 75 people doing the 5K and about 10 people doing the half marathon. So I said, I'm going to do the 5K. <laughs> All right. I did not want to be the last one. <laughs> That's fair. Oh, man. That's great. Uh, yeah, so – Basically, you're a natural athlete is what I hear you saying. Uh, I do my best. I have run a full marathon. Um, That was was the Disney World with Father Dan Badel and Father Ben Seiberg. That was two years ago, which I can't believe. I knew I I remember. That was kind of the high point of my running career. Did you dress up as something? No, but we did have shirts that said, three priests, one goal, finish. And it had... uh, it was in the Disney font, the cursive oh. font and all that. So it was really cool. That's great. Um, Jeff, I've got exciting news for you. You know, like this, this show is about uh, distracted Catholics and like specifically parents that don't get a lot of sleep or whatever. I, I do know that. I uh, say it every time. Yeah. Uh, so that's this show. But this weekend was the first time that I um, I took my children. I have a Father Mike, I, I have a 13 week old and a uh, a three-year-old and I took them both to mass by myself, which was, uh, <laughs> we, we went to a church and then we left the church after it was done. Not sure what happened in between, but it was awesome. <laughs> but you were there. We were there. That means you're killing parents. What a father's day I, for you. Yeah, it was like, father's day. To just father out so hard. I came in, I had the, the little, uh, pumpkin seat carrier, set it in the pew 
baby started crying, got her out. I said, all right, Dominic, let's go. Come on. We're going the back. We're going to go. We, we, uh, I almost said we ship the baby. No, we, we rocked the baby. <laughs> we rocked the baby for a period of time. She fell asleep, went back in, came back out. He had to go potty. It was a big day. So, um, but you made it. Yeah. Here. Yeah, I've been, all, I've been all sorts of proud of myself. Of, and then I realized, oh, my wife does this uh, much more frequently with much more grace than I Listen, do. So God she, bless but me. she doesn't have a podcast. She so. doesn't have a podcast. We're going to celebrate it for you, buddy. Thank you. Uh, two minute drill. Two minute drill. Let's do it. All right, Father Mike, we got the 13th Sunday in ordinary time. Much better than yeah. the 12th. Yes. Right. Well, even though you just said you had a great 12th. It was great. But the 13th Sunday in Ordinary Time, I wondered, I, I was wondering when I went to check this week, I knew it would be the 13th Sunday, if they would skip 13, like... Like um, an elevator? Yeah, like <laughs> elevators or like buildings that skip the 13th floor, which is always deceiving, because then the 14th floor is just the 13th floor. But. Right, which the, which we could do in a liturgical calendar by just simply putting in a, a high solemnity, right? That's true. And we have a solemnity this week leading up, but they didn't bump it to Sunday. so Not a Sunday bumper. No. Okay. No. A Sunday bumper. Is that a new phrase? That is. We got another one. All right. Uh, first reading this week. Um, our first reading comes from, sorry, I'm working. I'm not at my desk today. I don't have my stuff. First reading comes from Wisdom, uh, the Book of Wisdom. Uh, it says, God didn't make death. He doesn't enjoy the destruction that has come. He, did, he doesn't take pleasure in all that. In fact, he made us all to basically be indestructible, except then the devil ruined. Like Satan came, the devil entered the world, and then that has caused with it the fall from grace, our fall from perfection, our fall from from that. So we shouldn't blame God for that. We got to remember who really uh, is at work in our fall and in our imperfections. Uh, the response to our psalm this week is Psalm 30. I will praise you, Lord, for you have rescued me. I just call it a myth. I wouldn't say this is a banger. This isn't one that really jumps out to me, but it's a good, nice little reminder. Um, I will praise you, Lord, for you have rescued me. All right, our second reading comes from Paul's uh, second letter to the Corinthians. Now, speaking of Father's Day, mm -hmm. did you know that Paul is a big fan of Microsoft? And did you know that, no. Father Mike? Uh, in what respect? Well, he talks a lot about Excel in this reading. <laughs> there it is. Uh, he says, as you excel, whether it's in faith, discourse, knowledge, earnestness, whatever it is, as you, as you do excel, we have to remember that Jesus gave up all of those glories. He gave up richness and wealth and abundance in his life. He gave it all up so that we can excel. Um, and then you know, he says, since, uh, since he talks about discourse, you could also say he talks about word. <laughs> Excel, word. And then he uh, puts up a little PowerPoint slide at the end um, and says, whoever had much did not have more. Whoever had little did not have less. And that sounds like some sorting by column right there, if I've ever heard it. But... <laughs> 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 All right. Now we've waded through that. I was really proud, excited yeah. about that. But we get to the gospel reading. We've got a long form and a short form. And uh, per Father Mike's motivation, I'm going to opt for the 5K, not the half marathon here. Um, so we're going to do the short form of the gospel reading. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him, and he stayed close to the sea. 
one of the synagogue officials named Jarius came forward. Seeing him, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, saying, My daughter is at the point of death. Please come lay hands on her, that she may get well and live. He went off with, with him, and a large crowd followed him and pressed upon him. While he was still speaking, people from the synagogue official's house arrived and said, Your daughter has died. Why trouble the teacher any longer? Disregarding that message that was reported, Jesus said to the synagogue official, Do not be afraid, just have faith. He did not allow anyone to accompany him inside except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they arrived at the house of the synagogue official, he caught sight of a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. So he went in and said to them, why is this, why this commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but asleep. And they ridiculed him. Then he put them all out. He took, the took along the child's father and mother and those who were with him. And he entered the room with, where the child was. He took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Koum, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. The girl, a child of 12, arose immediately and walked around. At that, they were utterly astounded. He gave strict orders that no one should know this and said that she should be given something to eat. I, I feel like that's uh, a pretty good outlook on this week's Sunday Gospel. I was trying to run with the Microsoft Applications theme. Outlook, Microsoft Outlook. No. It's Outlook, I get uh, it. Uh, <laughs> nice Outlook. Okay. That's all I got. Uh, Father Mike, did did uh, do we need to do any autocorrect on Jeff's... Um, <laughs> The, Somebody talk to Flippy. The only uh, mistake <laughs> that I noticed was that he said Jarius instead of Jairus. Oh, is that like GIF and GIF? <laughs> I, I've always heard Jairus before. Okay. Well, I've always heard Jarius, even though you're probably right. <laughs> I've always heard every time I've said it. <laughs> yeah, every time today. No, yeah. but I, I think uh, you're... you're uh, your two-minute drill is pretty spot on. All right. Oh, thanks, Father. Good job. You're welcome. Well, Father Mike, can you can you give us a little window into what you're um, going to preach on this weekend? Get it? Windows? Yes. And, and I also would windows. <laughs> I'd also appreciate your feedback uh, because I haven't really got too far into them yet. Great. Um, but I'll make for you know, riveting podcast. <laughs> one of the uh, one of the things that stands out to me is, uh, well, I got two ideas that I'm floating with right now. Number one is the importance of, of, of like actually laying your hands on somebody and praying over them. And I don't think we do that enough as Catholics. And it's something that is so powerful uh, when it actually happens. Um, and I was just kind of, because in, in the gospel, and Jeff uh, read the short version, but the there's another piece in there too, of a woman who is Jesus is in the middle of working this miracle with Jairus. And then, and then the gospel starts talking about this woman who's hemorrhaging and Jesus fixes that and then goes back to the, to the daughter of Jairus. And, and like, um, it's just interesting because in both cases, Jesus is laying his hands on the person. And of course, like in our Catholic uh, tradition, especially our sacramental tradition, there's something very powerful that happens when when a priest lays his hands on somebody as in the sacrament of the anointing, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, we know that when a bishop 
lays his hands on um, a man who is being ordained, that something very powerful and beautiful happens there. Um, but I, I think there's something so powerful that happens when any of us, like, even if it's just putting your hand on somebody's shoulder. Yeah, I was going to say, like, how do you do it without it being weird? Well, that's, I mean, that's the question, because I do <laughs> think it can happen. I think if somebody is, like somebody, let's say, for example, somebody's having a hard day or um, somebody's going through something real, you know, and they're, and they're talking with you about it, there can be something powerful and just saying, let's pray. And then you put your hand on their shoulder and, and you invite the Lord into that. And I, and I don't think that that is, um, that it has to be necessarily weird in that moment. I will say one of the things I learned um, when I was working in the hospital as a chaplain, my, my chaplaincy summer was the, the, just the, what happens when you're in somebody's like hospital room and you, and you, you pause right there. You don't like, end and say, I'll pray for you or whatever. No, you just like, you say, let's pray right now and, and invite the Lord into that place at that very moment. And there's something powerful with the human, with the human touch. I'm not saying that you go like, like you lay your hands on the person's head, but as much as you just like a shoulder or um, just like it, when I have, when I baptize babies, like I always have the parents and the God, whoever's holding the baby. Usually if it's um, English speaking folks, it's the parents holding the baby. If it's Spanish speaking folks, they often have the godparents hold the baby. But I, but like everybody in that situation should have their hand on that kid. You know, it's like a, a reminder of this connection and, and the power and the and the, just the power that comes uh, in prayer when we lay our hands on somebody. And so I'm kind of thinking about that, which is very tangible, concrete um, thing. I, I don't know how often in, in an or, the life of an ordinary person those sorts of situations happen. But I do think like, holy smokes, if parents, you know, parents could to, to like lay your hands on your kid and pray for them before they go to school or, you know, that kind of thing, a, a, a husband, a wife kind of, you know, praying, um, together, um, you know, with, I don't know. I think there's something to be, something's going on in my mind with all this. No, father, I think you, you're spot on in this direction because I don't think that at least in my life. And I think in many people's lives, there's never been a time when I've more appreciated the value of human touch. I mean, coming out of, as we come out of this pandemic and we've, we've just, we're now just getting back to like people being comfortable shaking hands and, or even with fam like extended family. We, I was blessed enough to be on a vacation last week with my wife's extended family and it, her, her and her cousins and their family, there are 40 of them are incredibly close, but we haven't seen each other in mm -hmm. 18 months. We haven't been able to gather. There's so many people and we haven't been able to do it. To be able to see everybody just embrace and hug one another and hold one another, it was something, it was just a powerful experience that made you realize what we had been missing out on. And I mean, she has one cousin, um, Tommy, who I'm very close with, and Tommy has Down syndrome. And Tommy came up and had he and I hadn't been able to see each other. And and just he all he wanted to do was come give me a hug. And he gave me a hug and then just stood next to me with his arm for 10 minutes. He just like held on to me. He just didn't want to let go because... I think that the missing that, that human touch, not just in expression of our emotion and and in a hug and in love like that, but the idea of laying hands on somebody has that same power of how we show our care for somebody, how we show our our compassion and love. I and I yeah, I think there's like 
there's something to that. There's a reason that Jesus used these physical touches during his in his healing ministry, and there's a reason that the sacramental uh, rites of the church teach us to you know lay hands in certain uh, you know like in confirmation and ordination. There is something to that. Um, and you know my my wife and I we we try to make it a habit of in, every morning to pray the morning offering. And now that our uh, our kids are getting a little bit older, my our oldest son, he's three, he comes up and he wants to to join in, in the prayer too. I, I find myself like wishing I had more hands that I could be able to, you know, em, embrace uh, our family in a larger way. But there's uh, there's something to that that touch that is is important. But I'm not sure, like my question for you, Father, is where does it go? Where do we cross the line from something that is, the role of a priest in a healing ministry versus the role of a lady or the leader of a family to pray in a, in a certain situation, or when somebody asks you to pray for them, being able to pray over them with hands. Like there's obviously somewhere that it transitions, right? Yeah. I, I think it's all about um, kind of the, the way in which it is done. Um, one of the traditions, speaking of what you were just talking about that, that with your kids, the uh, the Hispanics have a beautiful tradition of every time they they send their kids to school or drop them off somewhere, and I and a lot of them do this until their kids are out of the house, like they're in high school. Their parents still do this. They make the sign of the cross on their child's forehead, and it's this it's a touch and it's a reminder to that child or that that youth that my parents love me, you know and. And there is something about like, as precisely like you say, like Christ loves us enough to become one of us and to lay his hands, you know, and as we see it twice in the gospel um, this weekend. And and so I think just looking for different ways um, that that can happen. I, I've, I, it is powerful when you see a group of friends or anything like that and and they're just kind of huddled together in a hug. Um, and it's not, again, it's not the sacramental form of the hands on the person's head like I do at the sacrament of the anointing. But it's this, it's still conveying this, I love you and I'm praying for you. And we're together. Like we're and together, you, we're, we're united here. You both hit it on the head with, like, it is something that's a little awkward or uncomfortable, or maybe people will even see as weird, but like, that that doesn't make it wrong. Mm -hmm. It just means that it, it's not something. It it isn't the norm, and that is what makes it special in so many ways, and what makes it unique. And I do agree with you, Father, that like there's so many times where offering to pray with somebody, offering to lay hands on them, it it takes them back, but you can also just see like a, a relief in that person. And yes, it's hard to ask for that, but to be able to offer it to somebody, what a beautiful gift. And and when I think about even before I was a priest, and it didn't happen often, but I remember one retreat, um, a friend of mine, I mean, I had gone to confession, and I, it was one of those, I hadn't gone to confession for a long time, and, and it was really freeing to me, and and I and it was an emotional experience for me, and and I came out, and I think my eyes were a little watery, and, and that person came over and put uh, put her arm around me and just, and, and just said, can I say a prayer of thanks? You know, like it was just really powerful. And I'll always remember that. And then, 
you know, I was thinking before I was a priest, one time I, uh, a friend of mine was going through something hard and, and I just, um, I listened to her and I just put my hand on her shoulder and I said, hang in there, which mm. I guess was a prayer, but like, it wasn't intended to be one, but she, she told me later just how much that moment meant to her. And it's like, all I said was hang in there. And I, and she said, but it just, it made everything okay. And um, there is there's just something powerful, I think, that can happen. And I think we Catholics are so good with our Hail Marys and our um, we're good with our rosaries. We're good with our ritual prayers. We're a little less good sometimes with the spontaneous. The, the spirit is calling me to pray with you right now. Oh, yeah, and, for sure. And I think there's something so powerful when that happens. It's out of the safe zone. Yeah. Um, so, like, what are... Can you think of ways that are other opportunities to invoke that kind of prayer? Like challenge me in a way to do this this week. Um, maybe what you got? Well, I, I don't know. I would say if for parents, um, pray over your children, like, like actually put your hand on your son or daughter's shoulder and, and say, I want to pray the Lord to bless you and keep you and make his face shine on you. And just like put your hand on them and pray over them. Um, that, that, that would be good for parents. Maybe it'd just be find somebody that you can put your hand on their shoulder that you love and that loves you and that you can just pray the Lord to bless them. I don't know. Like Let's it. do it people. Yeah. Get out there. Touch someone's shoulder this week. Yeah. In a prayerful <laughs> way. Uh, I will say what you were saying earlier, Jeff, about there was, I will never forget this one woman telling me, she said, this was before the pandemic. And she said, the thing that I love most about going to mass, it's, I mean, I, I aside from receiving Holy Communion, is it's the only time of the week that somebody touches me because mm-hmm. she was a widow and um, her kids were all out of state and and she lived alone. And she goes that 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 is the sign of peace is one of the highlights of my whole week. And I just there's just something human. And it's like you said, with this, especially coming out of this virus of um, this, that's what we're made for. Amen. I I uh, I asked this question earlier and you dodged it, Father. But uh, no. I did. Uh, so when does it, when does it cross into, this is the role of a priest to pray in this situation? Okay. Just that's it. I would say. Yeah. Um, when, why, why in certain situations, when it calls for the laying of hands, do we no longer physically lay hands on people? Probably out of. Um, is it kind a, of like a scandal a, issue? A sense of I don't know if it's that. I think it's more a sense of um, a rush, you know, like like at the confirmation when you've got a hundred kids, it's a lot easier to just for the bishop to just kind of put his hands over all of them as opposed to one by one. But is, um, is it like, the laying of hands part of one. the part of reconciliation as well? D- um, I, you know, I'd have to relook at the ritual book to see if it actually says you lay your hands 
on them. I have had that happen in confession where a priest has like put his hand on my head. Well, one time I went to, to confession at, uh, it was a, it was somebody that was a, I was at a retreat setting and somebody was a priest from the Byzantine, right? Yep. And they are very much more. Anzi. Um, well, I mean, they use a lot of objects and visuals and icons and things like that. Anyways, he used his stole as like he basically he put his stole over my head, which uh, I wasn't ready for. And I don't know if that's like <laughs> just part of what the Byzantine Rite does or something that this priest did. Uh, well, but here's also- what the I, I got my answer right here. Okay. It's from the actual ritual book, and it says at, at the time for right after the act of contrition, it says absolution, and then in red it says, Then the priest extends his hands over the penitent's head, parentheses, or at least extends his right hand, parentheses, and says. And then it's the right the the uh right of ab or the, the words of absolution. So there's nothing that says you can't. But is that not say, yeah, it just says over the penitent's head. Would you say that is the part of the laying on of hands, or is that exclusively for ordination? No, you know? no, I don't think it's exclusively. In fact, the ritual for baptism, that's a part of it that I think um it's it's, kind of, it's in the red type, and it says the priest lays his hands on the child. So whether it's well, a baby probably- or not. It's Probably beautiful. All three. I love laying my hands on that baby every time. It's beautiful. It really <laughs> all three sacraments. Babies, like, and you and you look in their eyes and you see the whole universe in there, and then and you're just invoking the Lord to bless them, and it's just awesome. So probably all three sacraments of initiation are rooted in laying on of hands. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Baptism, confirmation, and Eucharist, and, and Eucharist, I suppose. Um, I mean, the priest does do at the epiclesis with his hands. Lay, you know, the Holy Spirit comes that way. Uh, yeah. Well, this is this has been a fun conversation about hands. Yeah. Uh, high fives. High fives. Are you are you all set, Jeff? I or think I'm all dig set. Into this more? Well, hold on. Oh, Let yeah. me tell you my other plan. But this is only oh, going to yeah. take one minute. Oh, so Jeff, we already told you this is it. Jeff skipped the uh, the woman with the hemorrhage. But I don't use the short form of the reading ever. And, uh, All right, and 5K, it, Father. But there's, Father 5K. I love it because here's Jesus. First of all, there's the intercession of Jairus's father. And, and he's asking Jesus, is it pleading, interceding with Jesus to heal his daughter. And then that miracle is kind of put on hold, like the pause button. And then there's this other miracle. And then it goes back to that miracle, and and it's like a in the in in seminary we they called it the uh, the Markin sandwich, because you have a sandwiched miracle situation going on here, right? Like, and I've I was thinking about how how oftentimes that is so true with our lives that there are miracles upon miracles that that God is working all the time, and like um, one I, two weeks ago I went to the hospital to anoint somebody. And while I was there, I right, walked right off the elevator and somebody else found me. And I prayed with them over this their loved one who was about to die. And so there was a miracle 
I was going and doing one thing and then another thing happened. And, and that's like the goodness of God to, to just be constantly working, giving us miracle sandwiches. That's I my sandwiches. This sounds great. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah, if you're, if you're looking for feedback on which one, I would go with the former. But I also like the Miracle Sandwich. You know what? I'm not going to be at your parish this weekend. You go ahead and give two homilies, Father. Okay, I will. Let it rip. Yeah. <laughs> you, can, you can do the, uh, the, the post-Star Father homily that I've, I've heard. I've, there are many priests who do that. <laughs> there are also priests who introduce each reading. Uh, with I've, a I've seen that. Homily. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Dumb questions? Absolutely. Let's do it. It's time for Jeff's Dumb Questions. The part in the show where the glow of the flame of knowledge grows a little dimmer and our collective IQ goes down a few points, all thanks to Jeff. We're sorry. All right, Jeff. Take it away. All right, Father Mike, you, we talked before we started recording here, but you are at the priest convocation, correct? That is correct. At St. Meinrad, um, Archavian Seminary in Southern that Indiana. Right. Uh, what, what is a priest convocation? A priest convocation happens um, every, every other year. We meet here at St. Meinrad and then for four days. And then on the other years, we go, we've traditionally been going to Lake Monroe and, um, and have a little gathering there. And it's usually not quite as long as this one is. So this one happens every other year. And it's just all the priests called together with the bishop. And we have time to pray together a lot. And we have time to um, just be together, fraternity. And uh, but also kind of hear from the archbishop a little bit of uh, of of what's going on in his mind and his vision for the diocese and, and all that sort of thing. And um, which, by the way, remember the other time I was on your podcast, <laughs> I brought the arch- and I understand you have had the archbishop on here uh, on multiple times since then. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and he did. He did. But I really kind of brought him to this podcast. He told us you were his favorite priest in yes! that had been a guest on our show. You were also the only one he knew who had been a guest on our show, but he did say that about you. Um, but anyway, well, as- we also, uh, we also have a guest speaker. So this year, our guest speaker is a priest from the diet, from a, the diocese of Crookston in Minnesota. Oh, and uh, he's talking about uh, give the, we, we have talks each day. And this one is about the ministry of governance, hmm. the with res, with respect to the priesthood. So it's very interesting. Huh. Sounds interesting. So I know that you, Father Mike, were just down at St. Minor as vocations director. You did a trip with the, some seminarians and uh, some discerners down to St. Minor. Correct. Or at least I heard you you tried to cover it as a trip to St. Minor, but really you took that group to Holiday World. So what I really want to know is this week, are you in the Priestly Archdiocese just hanging out at Holiday World? This is what I really want to know. Wait, are we really doing what? Hanging out at Holiday World. Oh, no, no, we're not. But I love Holiday World. It's a beautiful place. <laughs> because the idea of a bunch of priests, no collar, 
just wandering around an amusement park just seems like one of the, the happiest things I can possibly yeah. well, do. Well, what I want to do is get a video for vocation promotions on a roller coaster. And I <laughs> try to figure out how that's going to happen, but uh, but we'll see. Yeah, I, I don't know how many you should put on there. The priesthood, it's a wild ride. We should have, <laughs> if we could fill up the whole, uh, that thing would go viral. The whole yeah. like the whole train. On Why don't we just make it happen? It, it would, but but Father, I've met many of our presbyterate, and I'm not sure how many would survive a whole roller coaster ride. Well, I'm not sure how many can fit in one. I mean, <laughs> not just because, but because of height, and I mean, you've seen how tall Father Tim Wichiscal is. I mean, there's just a lot of tall ones and some older ones, and They're but I think tall, we could, I think we could fill up a, a train. Oh yeah. I, I say you go for it. You father. should make that happen. If anybody's going to make that happen, it'll be you. And I know that because of my next question. Father, yes or no, have you ever made 30,000 plus popsicle priests and nuns out of popsicle sticks? <laughs> I did not do them all myself, but I did do a lot of them. But we, uh, no, that, that was our one of our latest projects in the vocation office. Yes, I know it was. And it, it was really awesome. But I remember thinking to myself, the only person on earth i know who could pull this off is father mike kutcher there's oh, just it was and, and i know that at some point you were just sitting around and you thought well this looks cool we should make a bunch of these how many will we need to make Thirty thousand. ah we can do that <laughs> actually we started with ten thousand, and then i realized that was not going to cut it so we times it by three for the trinity for the Trinity, perfect. Yeah, but just all think right. of it. I, it was all inspired by Chick-fil-A with the Green Army men that they have on Veterans Day, and and they just tell you to take one and pray for our military. And I thought, boy, if I could only – and so I thought about buying those little little miniature pre – or miniature military people and then, like, coloring them like priests. I thought, but they have guns and stuff. I don't think that's going to work. So <laughs> – so then, then, uh, then uh, a lovely woman in my parish, who's very creative, came up with this popsicle idea, and it just kind of took off. How many popsicles did you have to eat? To you know how? 30. Oh my gosh! I wish I got to eat all those. It turns out it took a lot of materials. I mean, you should have seen the, You should have seen our church. Like it was the basement was the cafeteria was was over. Cut, run with felt and sticks and magnets and oh my gosh it was fun though you pulled it off though all right last question father we've been asking all of our guests here recently since it is the summer and you're vocations director so you for sure would understand this i feel like every priest has a fun summer seminarian story of uh some fun story of when you were a summer seminarian and living in a uh, a parish or at an assignment do you have a, a good one for us um, well, the one that I, I'll just give you one from the seminary that I have right now. <laughs> it was 1230 in the morning the other day and, and he, uh, uh, he was hungry. So we were in the, in the, in the uh, kitchen and he pulls out this lunch meat from 10 days ago. And I said, I said, Sam, I don't know that that, you know, him for being from Roncalli. And I said, um, I don't think that's good anymore. It looks kind of slimy and it's been there for over 10 days. He goes, ah, it'll be fine. So he, he chomps off a big old bite of it. And he says, well, it doesn't really have much taste at all. 
but it was really slimy. And then he put cheese in the middle of it and made a taco out of this old expired lunch meat. It was so gross. <laughs> it was I it was all I could do not to throw up everywhere. Well, I think those are the things that happen, Father, when it's 12 There's a lot in the morning of and you're hanging with summer seminarians. But it's also a good reminder to all of us that at your core, you guys are just nothing but frat bros. So <laughs> exactly. All right, that's all I got, Scott. All right, let's uh, let's 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 go on with our week, and uh, I don't know how to wrap it up. So thanks, Father Mike. Appreciate You're you joining welcome. us. That was a terrible ending, Jeff. Not bad. Yeah, I was waiting for your Microsoft wrap. <laughs> Father Mike really painted a good picture for us. <laughs> he did. He really one drive the point home. It's alright cause I'm a sepper. It's alright cause I'm a sepper. It's alright cause I'm a sepper Sunday.